0: Inside Chicago Government
1: Welcome to another in a series of interviews about and sounds of Chicago government. I'm Dave Groetz. In this episode, we'll hear excerpts from a public meeting of Chicago's Community Commission on Public Safety and Accountability, also known as CCPSA. In this audio, members of the public questioned the viability of a technology called ShotSpotter used by the Chicago Police Department, or CPD, to detect gunfire at various places around the city. This audio is going to feature two public commenters. The first says he is a retired CPD police captain who asks police superintendent Larry Snelling his opinion on ShotSpotter. You'll hear Snelling's response. After that, you'll hear the CCPSA president, Anthony Driver, also make a comment. The second commenter, a Chicagoan, cites a study about ShotSpotter that was undertaken in 2021 by Chicago's Office of Inspector General, which questioned the value of ShotSpotter. Again, you'll hear Superintendent Snelling's response and additional remarks by CCPSA President Driver. All this comes in the context of Mayor Brandon Johnson expressing skepticism about ShotSpotter in April 2023, after he was elected, but before he took office. Here's the episode. Good evening. I'm Tom
0: McMahon. I'm a retired captain of the Police Department. I'm also an elected member of the Police District Council for the Fifth District. The question I do have, Superintendent, is there's a lot of discussion lately about shot spotter. I'd like to know what your position is, whether the shot spotter is negative. What do you think of it?
2: Let me just start by telling you what I know about ShotSpotter and what it's designed to do. And then just to break down a couple of myths. Um, one of the big myths is ShotSpotter is a tool of surveillance. It's not. It's sound detection. And what it does is it detects gunshots. Now, our SPSC room, um, where we come up with strategies on how we're going to deal with crime, especially violent crime, The the sound detection is tied to our system where we are immediately notified when someone is firing a weapon. Um, I was just in the 11th district and we were uh, doing a demonstration for for someone. And while we were in that room, the uh, shot spotter detected um, uh, three shots. And there was a person in a vehicle who was shot in the head. Over in the uh, 15th district. Within 30 seconds of death, no shots fired, um, that information went out to officers from our SDFC. Within a minute, officers were on scene treating this individual. Within five minutes, the paramedics were there and they stopped the bleed. Now, luckily for this individual, it wasn't a life-threatening wound, but. Think of how long it may have taken. Now in that time, there was no 911 call for service. So along with that individual, we had to wait for an officer to get there while waiting on a 911 call. It also allows our officers to get to the scene quicker where we've seen our officers perform life-saving measures, uh, applying tourniquets, chest seals, things of that nature and stop someone from bleeding out. It has also allowed our officers to get to the scene of a shooting where they may have been able to apprehend the shooting. So when it comes to technology, and, when, and if we're talking about moving forward in how we're going to police, because technology is being used by those who are engaging in violent crimes. And the only way to combat that is to approach with a high level of technology. So if we're going to talk about moving forward and policing better, we have to consider our technology. And those who don't necessarily understand it, we're willing to allow you to take a better look at it. We're willing to step forward and give you a demonstration so you have a true understanding of what it is. So what I can say to you is that because Of this technology our officers have been able to get to scenes quicker and do outstanding work that people don't even know that our officers do saving lives i can tell you right now we we have documented just through giving officers awards for it life-saving awards you know over 150 incidents where officers have applied tourniquets and life-saving techniques because they were able to get to that scene sooner so as i started out saying when, when this process first started. I'm in favor of any technology that's going to help us solve violent crimes and save
3: lives. I also just a note on that, um, that is an issue that has come up a lot from Chicagoans. Our commission has been petitioned to have a hearing on this, uh, and so we'll be having a hearing on shot, fire, and sound protection on February 8th at 6.30 p.m. at St. Uh, so if you all would like to learn more about that, uh, and, and, you know, where folks stand on that particular issue, I'm going to encourage you, encourage you all to come out, uh, and have your voice heard. That whole entire hearing is specifically on that subject. You'll get a chance to hear from folks who are experts on this particular subject matter as well as community members. That is February 8th at 6.30pm at the Art of St. uh, 1210 West Avenue. place.
0: My name is Manuel Ranalamansa, J O S A, M-A-N-U-V-L, A L M A N C A. Superintendent Sunny, what would it take for you when you're assessing the CPD to look at a tool or a strategy and be like nah doesn't work and then scrap it and start something else? And the two examples I have for you is as another person mentioned, uh shot spotter, there's uh, studies that haven't been uh, unproven that supports that, that shows that 90% of uh shot need to know need to know evidence of gun violence or gun crime. Or finds a person wounded. There's also a lawsuit against it where shotspotter was used as evidence to wrongly imprison uh, at the very least the three defendants that are part of that lawsuit. Uh, and also, the state attorney has decided to stop using shotspotter as, as evidence when they're prosecuting people because shotspotter will not let them see the algorithm that they use to decide if it's in gunshot or not. So they just stop using shotspotter as evidence. Uh, time that also to traffic stops, to so pre sexual traffic stops. Uh, there's also a lot of data out there showing how ineffective uh, traffic stops are as a, as a tool, and they are, I'm at times, so I just want to leave that and uh, let you respond to that. Well,
2: let me, let me respond, that there's a lot there. Um, and you tie uh, sound detection to a lot of things that it's not tied to. Um, you can read studies, and I can show you how it works. There are a lot of things that are written, and people talk a lot about um, data, or the data doesn't lie. People do, and until you actually see it, you don't necessarily understand. It. I would like to see. Here's oh, let, let me finish. That when shot detection does one simple thing, it detects gunshots and it allows officers to get to those locations quicker we don't use shots spotter as evidence in a case you can't make a case with shot you can't say that because some detection detected a shot that that person fired shots you have to have further evidence what shot allows us to do is get to that location now when we get to that location or if we have cameras in that location and we can then pan in on the location where they have been recorded, we may record that individual firing off shots, which we have done. That's the evidence is used. It has nothing to do with ShotSpotter. The only thing ShotSpotter does is bring our attention to that location. ShotSpotter does not put a gun in the hand of an offender. ShotSpotter has nothing to do With a pretextual stop, you can't connect those two things. If we have reasonable suspicion or probable cause for a stop, that's why we do it. When we talk about the collection of evidence, just because shots are fired and officers get to that location and there's no one there, doesn't mean that shots were not fired in that area. Usually when people fire off shots, they don't stick around, they leave, they move, we have recovered um, shell casings, and if it's a revolver, there'll be no evidence there because shell casings aren't expended from a revolver. So there's a lot to to unfold there. What I would what I would say to you is that if you really, really, truly wanted to understand shot spot, there are ways that you can really find out what it does and how it works. And I can tell you right now, I can tell you right now, we show an in-house video to our officers of an individual who was wearing a shirt that said F-12 when the officers arrived on the scene. He swore at those officers, he called them every day in the book, told them he didn't want them yet. The officers left the scene. They weren't there for him, they were there for something else. Fifteen minutes later, shots fired. Alert went off. Officers go back to the scene. This young man who's wearing the F12 shirt is shot in the stomach and chest. Those same officers apply the chest seal to this individual, saved his life, and eternity. Now we have video footage of that. So here's what I can tell you. We can read what people want us to hear or I can show you the facts and what our officers have done and what they've been able to do by getting to those things quickly. So I don't say this lightly and I'm not, I, I don't want to be argumentative with you, I just want to throw some facts out there for you. So anyone who is willing to step up and see what's going on, I'm willing to
0: show you. If you could tell Shasta Martin to let us see our algorithm that would be perfect because that's really what's deciding if it's a shot stra- is this a shot stra- or not
3: So I, I, I don't I actually want to address this um, And I want to be clear I that not position um, But our commission has been Deep in his work regarding the issue of shot for a long time And even now it's hard for me to be a, get my words together um, But then it brings up a lot of painful and traumatic experiences and memories. It is true that numbers don't lie, but they also don't tell a story. And that's the thing that I've been struggling with this entire time. They keep presenting studies that say 90% of the time, no law enforcement action is taken when you get a shot spot or alert. And this is not me speaking as a person, as a dedicated person the president's commission, as a concerned citizen, as a person who works for labor, any of those other identities or hats that I wear, this is me speaking at the young black Chicago who were in a neighborhood played by gun violence and I literally just moved to another neighborhood of by gun violence. The stories are not attached to that. I can't tell you how many times I've sat on my ground and and heard gunshots. I can't tell you how many times I've gotten off work just two years ago, a year and a half ago before I moved to Brownsville. I lived in back of the yards. I get off work, I'm driving home, my neighbor, who I've known him all my life, fires like 12 rounds in the air. Now he just saw me pull up from work. You know, my car, I waved at him. He's sitting on his porch. I just saw him fire 12 shots. I know I can't call the police. Because if I call the police, he's going to lock because the whole block is at work. I'm the only person who saw him. And he saw me see him shoot. I get a citizen notification. And it says 12 shots fired to 12 rounds from his exact address. The police pull up, get right in the house, toss the gun in the house, come back and sit on the porch, and they ask him, have you heard of this shot fire? He says, no, I don't know what you're talking about, We're going about your business. They leave. That's gonna show up in the numbers as no law enforcement action taken. In that moment, when I know my grandmother is about to come home, is about to be dropped off at home, I didn't want them to stop shooting. But I also was paralyzed, because i why I picked the police. And so when we keep getting these studies and these things that are coming out, I'm not trying to argue for or against, but the stories of the impacted are what's important to you. And the people who are presenting studies over and over, I would implore them, go into those communities that are played by our other and talk to those folks. This isn't a Chief smelly, this isn't a president driver, or an academic issue. We can, we can have studies that show anything. We can show, have studies that show Choc Potter evil, Choc Potter is the best what I'm saying is this narrative around all this stuff is not including the voices of the people who are impacted every day. The people who fill imprisoned in their homes because I know what that feels like. But those voices are not <laughs> table. Those are not the people who are coming to me with studies. They are not the people who are coming to me from ShotSpotter who operate out of California. So the vast majority of Chicagoans who are dealing with these crises every single day who live in trauma, who live in fear, who are scared, who can't go to the parks that we just talked about who struggle taking public transportation, who can't come out of Michigan, and we've got to our commission meeting? and we gotta figure out how to do it virtually because they can't take public transportation over here because they don't feel safe. Those are the stories that matter. It's not mine because thankfully I've gotten to a point where if i wanted to leave my community tomorrow, I have enough way to do that. And I'm very blessed and thankful to be able to afford that opportunity. My entire family still lives in the back of the neighborhood. And so I was just implored the citizens of Chicago, the folks who are telling these stories about shopfires, about traffic shops, about every single thing else that we know about the safety, to ground yourself in the community. Not in studies, not in statistics, not in police officers. What's happening on the ground? Are people in Chicago scared to leave outside their door? And so I apologize for being passionate about this, but this is a very real issue. And it's being approached from an academic perspective, and you cannot put my lived experience in a book. You cannot put my lived experience into statistics. No study you can show me that will tell you how I felt when I drove up and knew my grandma was on the way home, and he was fired a his gun me. And so for me, that's why I said hearing on the name is important, because I'm tired of the back and forth, the polarization. You're back to blue, or all cops are bastards. That's nonsense. The vast majority of Chicagoans do not live in that area. The vast majority of Chicagoans just want to say, you see folks coming in these meetings all walks of life, and so I'm going to stop now because I'm feeling you a little passionate. But that, that is what is important. That's what's important, and I feel like we've lost that. Everybody's going to a corner. you got this corner and that corner. They keep throwing rocks at each other. Meanwhile, most of us are sitting there like, what the hell is going on? We just want to feel safe. We want to get to work safely. So I'm sorry for getting sidetracked on this. Um, and we'll, Thank you. we'll continue with this.
1: That's all we've got for this episode. As always, listeners, we welcome your questions, your comments, and your suggestions for future interviews. You can email to us via comment at shygov.com via Facebook at Facebook.com slash and on Twitter or X at C-H-I-G-O-V-T. I'm Dave Glowatz. Thanks for listening.